Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. On the podcast today, we look at the future of Ireland's economy as the world prepares for its worst global recession in nearly a century. We are clearly now in the midst of a severe recession, both domestically and globally. In the space of a few weeks, our jobs market has transformed from a situation of full employment to one where unemployment has risen with a speed and scale that is completely unprecedented. That was the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, speaking today as the government laid out its stability programme update, setting its economic forecast for the year ahead. Donoghue made clear that the predictions today were likely to change to some degree because of the unpredictable nature of the road ahead. Ireland's economic climate is now sternly linked to public health policies that are going to be restructured in the coming weeks, and the Irish government are likely to have many headaches when it comes to the risks surrounding balancing our economic and medical stability. Senan Maloney was covering today's update for the Times Ireland edition. He spoke to me about what the predictions might mean for the Irish workforce in the years ahead. The figures outlined by the Minister of Finance, Pascal Dunahue, are entirely unprecedented and quite staggering in their scale. First of all, uh, the economy will not recover for another two years, the Minister has outlined. And he's also warning that even those optimistic predictions of a 2022 bounce are contingent on what the virus does and whether there are subsequent waves of infection in the Irish economy. However, he has outlined that recovery also been contingent on a steady improvement from the second half of the current year and is then seeing growth returning in 2021 of the order of 6% but based on a massive fall for 2020. The Minister for Finance also stated that the short-term stimulus packages in place for the temporarily unemployed will also be adapted in the weeks ahead. The schemes whereby the state pays up to 70% subvention of the salaries of furloughed staff will have to be reviewed. The Minister said that's going to run out in eight to nine weeks and will then have to be tapered. Uh, and he's going to bring proposals to Cabinet in that regard. Furthermore, the separate uh, pandemic payment, as it's called, of €250 Euros a week, um, which is paid with no questions asked, that will have to move into the general uh, social welfare framework, he says, which could cost some individuals more than uh, €100 Euros a week. He said it was based on the, on the assumption that uh, every claimant would have at least one dependent, such as a child, hovering in, in, in the background, and they had to make that assumption. But it has resulted in increased payments to individuals such that we've seen some shop workers quitting their jobs in order to take advantage of Mm. it. A projection has been made of a 22% unemployment level on average for this year. That is the worst ever since the foundation of the state from the days of the hungry curtains right up. The last significant unemployment rate was reached in 1983 when it topped 18%. 1982-83 we had a marginal tax rate of 
reaching 65%. And that state of affairs was encouraged by massive emigration, which uh, obviously is not touched on in any of these figures because mm. they are projections. The state is also putting a large emphasis on consumer spending once current lockdown restrictions are lifted. This is vital in order to try and pump money back into goods and services that are in desperate need of business, many which are on the verge of closing. That's by no means guaranteed, because in certain sectors people may very well find that they've done without certain products that they have used a lot, and their spending may change. For instance, we may see people altering their, their commute and so on, having been able to work from home and that would have a knock-on effect on mm. spending in various four courts and in terms of public transport and so forth. The cost of the COVID-19 outbreak to the Irish exchequer is estimated to amount to 23 billion for the year as opposed to a 2.3 billion surplus which had initially been forecast for this year. Now the Minister has kind of put the best cast on these uh, uh, figures despite them being exceptionally sobering and he's saying that um, Ireland is not alone and that the uh, there will also be uh, increases in, in debt-to-GDP ratios of around 13% in our, our major trading partners. And they too will see um, um, uh, deficits this year of around 10% on average compared to Ireland's expected 7.5%. He's making the point essentially that Ireland was in a good place going into this series of uh, reverses insofar as we didn't have um, a high level of uh, credit or, or borrowing in the economy. We also had uh, full employment. And uh, in addition, there aren't many bond redemptions due next year. Uh, so that would give us what he calls breathing space. Mm. He says our underlying economy and labour market are resilient. And of course, that remains to be seen, despite uh, the optimism that he is trying to uh, garner from the set of, set of statistics which he produced yesterday. And um, which Fianna Fáil spokesman on finance, Michael McGrath, who may well be the next Minister of uh, Finance, um, he has made the point that these are uh, entirely unprecedented sets of figures and that they are quite staggering, to use his words. The Minister for Finance has announced that there will be a national recovery plan, but also stated that this will have to be put together by the party that make up the next government. This vote is due to take place in the coming weeks. He says that uh, it'll be a matter for the next uh, occupant of his role as Minister for Finance, whoever that may be, man or woman, and the parties will have to thrash out the uh, precise parameters of that plan and also where the prioritisation will be made in relation to the framework document, which is another blueprint in relation to the discussions that could lead to the formation of the next government. He's warning very starkly that those allocations to the areas of priority that we all know about, which are healthcare, housing and childcare, will have to be met on a year-by-year basis against a background where it is not possible to make projections at this stage because the situation is so fluid and because of the threat of further waves of COVID-19 outbreaks. So um, all of that is very much up in the air. The government is making no explicit guarantees, except that it will maintain no further increases in taxation. Mm. And it also says in the framework document that it expects to be able to maintain social welfare payments at their current level. Now, that might seem difficult for people to understand if we are seeing massive levels of deficit for this year and uh, continuing deficit into next year, running into the billions. Um, they will view this and say, how can this not mean an increase in taxation or at least a trimming 
uh, of social welfare or also deep cuts to government public and capital spending. And uh, the minister is saying that the differences are that the, the government is going into this fight now to recover the economy and to rebuild it from a position of strength whereby uh, it has cash on hand. The National Treasury Management Agency has $22 billion. There are not the systemic challenges facing uh, the economy that arose at the time of the financial crisis, whereby companies were indebted and so on. Mm. And there is hope for a major rebound in both employment and in output, and thus inflows into the uh, national coffers once again, as companies begin to be able to not only pay their employees, but also pay their taxes. All of this, of course, remains to be seen. And the minister has been whistling past the graveyard, if you like, uh, on some of the expectations. But there's no doubt that while our economy may be strong and flexible and adaptable and all those positive words that were thrown out, there's no doubt that the short term, at the very least, is going to be very gloomy and difficult. Senan, how much of an emphasis has been put on trying to keep people on the books and to keep people working by Pascal Donoghue? This is very much outside government hands. I mean, governments like to take um, uh, credit for full employment. But then as soon as the graph goes the other way, they say all they can do is try and create the climate whereby jobs may be created. They are expecting a continuing average level of unemployment for this year of 22%. That's even with people going back to work in the second half of the year. 22% is going to be record-breaking level of unemployment. When you take into account both those who are in receipt of the wage subsidy scheme, those who are claiming the pandemic payment, the COVID-19 payment, and those who are already employed in the public service, who are getting their wages directly Mm. or indirectly from the state, and who may be in semi-state employment like OTE or might be directly employed as public and civil servants, there's another 200,000 people there on top of the 1.76 that are receiving wage subsidy and the COVID payment. And that's on top as well of the existing 200,000 people on the live register. The point of all that is that it all adds up to 1.2 million people who are getting state income support. And that is a level of more than half of the labour force. So in relation to unemployment, the figures are so large, the threats are so great, and the economic recovery is so uncertain that we are likely to be dealing with a level of employment that would be severe, at least into the medium term. And the prospects for young people coming onto the job market look as bad as ever they did at the beginning of the 1980s, unfortunately. There are many variables outside of the government's control and the current projections are based on a three-month lockdown scenario from now. But in the event of an elongated period of restrictions on non-essential work, these could be significantly worse. I wanted to know what plans are in place for these various scenarios, both good and bad. If they have that economic modelling inside the department, they're not sharing it with us. And it may be that they are not in a position to fully scope out best, medium and worst case scenarios. Although there was reference today to an expectation that we will have a U-shaped recovery. In other words, having had the large fall, there will be a a long or medium period of trough before um, a decent recovery at the end of it. And they are not expecting what is called an L-shaped recovery, whereby there has been the massive uh, fall and then the economy bounces along the baseline for the foreseeable future. You're quite right that the damage and havoc that the virus will wreak in Ireland over the rest of the year is not known. But there is also further external challenges thrown up by the fact that we don't know how the virus is going to behave 
mm. uh, around the world. And don't forget that our export markets are crucial to this economy where we are very much a, an open and exporting economy. And there has been a collapse in global demand for many of the Irish exports. One only has to refer to the beef sector to see the colossal collapse that there has been made manifest. And so while the number of countries can do their best in relation to the Irish figures, what is unknowable from their point of view is what the level of recovery will be in other economies, because there's different levels of uh, experimentation, as you know, both in relation to getting economies back open around the world and the scheduling and the choreography of that, um, with some countries determined to go for a, a big bang approach that could have repercussions in terms of a return of the virus in the medium term and how violent and how vicious that might be is unpredictable just as is the possibility of a resumption of lockdown mm. in those economies so the ball is still very much in the air on all these fronts and the department is admitting that there's been a synchronized shock across the global economy and we certainly won't have seen anything like this since the 1930s so if we thought the financial collapse was bad in 2008 this is going to be the worst period of economic depression that the world will have gone through in the lifetime of most people. Anybody under 19 years of age will never experience anything like this in their working career if they are lucky enough to have work and a career. That is it for episode 19 of Viral COVID-19. I would like to thank Senan Maloney for his really thorough coverage of today's economic updates. We will be back tomorrow with more coronavirus news and discussion from Ireland and abroad. I'm Ian Doyle. I'll talk to you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.